of one plane ride. Talk radio without the stress. Email your questions and comments to lynn at tghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cohn. Hey, hey, hey. Remember me? I don't. Jeez. This is all very weird. Here we are in our new in our new studio-ish kind of place surrounded by half-emptied boxes and uh, just sort of held together. Can you hear that? We get the train whistle. Can you hear it? So we are situated now at the other end of Smithfield um, Street. And if I were to turn around and open these doors, we'd be looking right over the Smithfield uh, Street Bridge, that beautiful bridge. And of course, the trains run <laughs> on the other side of the river. But it's better than the fire alarm at the last place. Anyway, here we are back from a long uh, respite, uh, which I enjoyed immensely. <laughs> wow. You know, the soap opera that is um, the current uh, American government um, is something that I think everybody should take time off from as much as necessary to maintain one's equilibrium. Uh, I really paid very little attention for at least 10, 12 days. Um, looked at headlines, did not immerse myself in it, and I got to tell you, I felt better. <laughs> I really did. And I came to the conclusion that uh, knowing the specificity of every day's uh, news events is, is not necessary. Uh, even if you are, like me, in uh, a news junkie, um, because all it does is numb and overwhelm uh, you, it would seem. I don't mean to say you, I mean to really say me, but, you know, I'm figuring most people. So it was good to have that opportunity to tune out and uh, and recharge and realize that it will all go on whether or not I am paying attention. It certainly also uh, becomes very clear that immersing yourself in hourly detail is crazy. I'm telling you, it's crazy. If you are in the habit of keeping one of the news stations on all the time, that is totally unnecessary in terms of your knowledge of events. Um, and it also is injurious to your health. So if you're addicted to, you know, CNN or MSNBC or whatever, I would really make a serious effort to tune out. Uh, limit yourself to a half hour or, or an hour at most a day. And if you want to do some reading, I, you know, fine. But I just think that constant repetitive stuff that these cable news stations spew out um, is, is just so much noise. 
after a while, it would seem to me. Anyway, here I am, older, wiser, and here we are in 2020. Here we are in a new building. I don't think that we are going to stay in this room um, or stay in the configuration you see. So uh, I am ready for all kinds of uh, changes. Just so this is coming through, and I'm assuming it is, but that worked. The elevator here works. That was good. Um, so overall, I'm, I think so far this little move has gone rather well for us. I don't know about you guys. Uh, geez, it's hard to it's hard for me to sort of uh, get back uh, up on the saddle here uh, because I do loathe. <laughs> to to go where I suspect uh, we're we're going. Um the news of course of late is is more frightening um than it was when last we spoke. The uh the assassination of a another state's uh, military leader is, I think, an act of war committed by us. Uh, we now have, what, uh, millions in the streets of Iran screaming death to America again, but guess what? They're doing it next door in Iraq, too, and uh, telling us to get the hell out. Think of all the wasted lives. Think of all this, and now he's gone and created a situation that is as potentially volatile as any since our shock and awe expedition into uh, Iraq and to remove Saddam Hussein. This is the guy who got elected saying he didn't want us to have any more wars in the Middle East. He has done more to destabilize the Middle East than his... Pre well, I can't say that because George W. did a hell of a job there. I... Uh, you're already hearing people say, how can we possibly have an impeachment trial of a commander-in-chief at a fraught time in our nation's history as now? That's classic wag the dog stuff. It's also a classic way to... Uh, help one's re-election chances to be the commander-in-chief. Although something tells me this ain't going to work. <laughs> I think the American people, right, left, and center, are just fed up with our stumbling, bumbling around in an area of the world that is, even without our stumbling and bumbling around in, a mess an incredible mess. The President of the United States is 
actively uh, threatening to, what, wipe out cultural sites and hit civilian targets. Um, that is what is called, by international law, war crimes. War crimes. And who came up with the cute little thing about 52 targets have already been identified. How cute. It's like the cute little names we give our murderous misadventures. Operation this. I can't even remember. They just drive me crazy. But 52, too cute by half because 52 Americans were held hostage by the Iranians back in the last century. So we have to find 52 targets. You know, the synchronicity, the, the sort of artistic beauty of it. Jesus H. Remember when Trump pulled us out of the... Uh, the nuclear accord with Iran that so many other nations of the world had signed on to as well, and then he pulled us out. And you remember the reason he gave? Well, because it was the worst. It was the worst, uh, the worst deal ever. Because it only went for 15 years, and after 15 years, the Iranians could just start right back up again. That was the reason. He gave. Fifteen years, they're going to be free to build all the nuclear weapons they want. So instead, he did his brilliant little <laughs> assassination. Kills an Iranian general in Iraq. Enraging both nations. And sending them into even a warmer embrace. These two enemies who used to kill each other. Hatred of the United States, the bumbling of the United States has brought them together. And now Iran has said, hey, we're not going to abide by that stupid, stupid deal. The U.S. pulled out of it. We're out too. So, Donald Trump has managed to put the Iranians back busily, I don't know what, building centrifuges and going about the business of making nuclear weaponry uh, well ahead of the schedule that uh, they would have adhered to. <laughs> so, it ain't going to be anywhere near 15 years because they already said to hell with it in response to Trump's brilliant decision to exacerbate an already extremely volatile situation. One senator said this, the moment we all feared. 
is likely upon us. An unstable president in way over his head panicking with all his experienced advisors having quit only surrounded by these sycophantic amateurs. There he goes, assassinating foreign leaders, announcing plans to bomb civilians and cultural sites. An unstable man facing impeachment, a nightmare. Oh boy, I'll tell you. Nice to see you guys writing in. Welcome back. Milton's saying it sounds good. Little Tony, I wish you a happy new year. You must have a great view in the new building. Well, at the moment I have a brick wall I'm looking at, but... If I turn, the great view is out that away. Yeah, it is. And he says, you're right about too much news coverage, but it's hard to stop. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. But for your own health, I'm telling you. <coughs> Whoops, I'm on a short tether. Gigi, you were missed. I, too, took a nice break from the daily details of the lunacy which is this administration. Uh, yeah. And Gigi says she loves the train whistle. I do too. I was walking my dog late at night and I could hear a train whistle. And I think I have said this. There's, that sound is so comforting to me. It's a sound from my childhood. You know, lying in bed at night and the trains rumbling down the tracks of the Fox River in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And then here, where I live, I hear the trains. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I've ever lived anywhere other than New York City where I didn't hear train whistles at night. I love it. I love it. There's something comforting about the fact that they are, the trains are still running, that even though I'm asleep and tucked into my bed, the world keeps turning. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I can't be the only one who feels that way about trains, the whistles. Uh, oh, we have a caller. See? I was told that a while ago. I already forgot it, so nothing's changed. Caller, go ahead. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to you. Hey, when you're talking about that uh, RAND thing, the thing that always gets me about that is the BS they always tell us about. They can build a nuke. Well... Why would you build a nuke when you can buy a nuke from one of your crazy neighbors? So that whole explanation about all they can do in 15 years, 
they could do it tomorrow by buying it off Russia or China or some other crazy bastard. So I just get tired of hearing that. If they want a nuke, they can get a nuke. So that story is like a big BSer to me. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but well, come I, on. Look, you can buy the, anything you want. The big BS is the talk of this was an imminent threat. We had to knock this guy off because he was oh, planning. Yeah. I mean, do they really expect us to believe them? I. This is a crowd that has spent the last three years lying baldly, boldly through their, you know, they to us constantly. We're supposed to believe this? You got to be kidding me. Even our allies don't believe it. Yeah, I'm like you. I don't think the American people are going to buy it this time. I think it's going to sire on them real fast. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. And I'll I, t- uh, yeah. Yeah. I, Let's hope. Uh, thank you. Nice to hear from you. Okay, thank you. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. The first caller of this decade. Now, the decade really starts in 21, doesn't it? I never could get that. It has to do with numbers, and I get really confused. Um, Here's why I sort of also think this is going to, I mean, talk about unintended consequences. Um because I have a relatively young son, um, I find myself consorting with uh, relatively young people, millennials. And let me tell you, they are paying attention to this. Uh, My son said to me, I wonder when I'll get drafted. That They're worried. They are really worried that this is ginning up a huge war, that the draft will be reinstated. And the thing is, is you know what that's going to do? It's going to do what it did in the 60s in Vietnam. It's going to get the attention of young people who often don't vote, although their attention has been gotten in large part, but this might uh, further, further, prick up their ears. They're paying attention now because in their lifetime they have never seen this kind of a potential ramp up to what anyone can tell would be a disastrous war. I can't even... And the thing is, we now have a, pres- a president who does not even pay attention to the Congress. We also have a, a weakened Congress that has abdicated its responsibilities when it comes to uh, war and peace and all kinds of other things. And this country, over the decades, has um, quite without much thought given the chief executive, the president, extraordinary powers. Presidents now can start wars without even calling up a member of Congress. I mean, never mind that the Constitution doesn't allow that, but we don't bother declaring wars anymore. Presidents now have extraordinary discretion Not that this president even knows what that word means. 
but presidents now are granted incredible discretion to use the military might of this once great nation in any way they want and easily can lead us into a massive war. We've sort of come down to one guy decides. And when that guy is, I think, certifiably insane, then uh, we have a problem. Stop and think. The number of national security advisors this idiot has already run through. First of all, he doesn't listen to them. He doesn't want to read any of their papers. In three years, he has had four national security advisors. You cannot find another president with that kind of turnover. It is representative of the total shoot-from-the-lip-hip chaos of this presidency. We've had already two secretaries of state, two secretaries of defense. We have uh, a military and a diplomatic corps in total disarray, morale at the lowest levels ever seen. And we've got this reckless frightened fool at the helm. <laughs> I saw this, this headline. I don't know if you can see that. Why is America so depressed? Are you kidding me? I mean, it, excuse me. I end up strangling myself. Why is America so depressed? Ah, let me count the ways. I, I mean, yes, America is depressed and by every uh, quantitative measure, we are more depressed, more anxious than we have been probably since the Great Depression. And I bet we weren't even that bad then because at least we were more resilient people. We weren't the soft, soft, fat souls we are now. The latest numbers are from 2017. And that's when... Um, they figure at least 17 million Americans had at least one serious depressive episode. Uh, adolescents, they're more depressed than they have ever been. Kids from 12 to 17. And I hate to tell you that suicides in both, in all these categories, are way, way up. Uh, nearly 20% of the American population now suffers from some anxiety disorder. The suicide rate has increased by 33% since 99. You know, why is America so depressed? Because we have a maniac as the president. Because mass shootings happen every other minute. Our children go to school uh, I suppose, say the Pledge of Allegiance and then learn how to uh, 
keep from having a uh, a bullet uh, destroy their bodies. And then there's this. It was, I think, Saturday. I started to, maybe Thursday, I started to seriously um, try to immerse myself into the news of the day. And I, every page I turned, (laughs) every page I turned in the New York Times that day, there was a story of horror having to do with climate. And so you wonder why people might be anxious. Well, there's the political stuff. And then there is climate change and how we are now finally seeing these weather events that now only the most, I mean, stubbornly delusional people still clinging to the fact that this is not happening. This is not some process underway that will destroy life on Earth. Uh, This is one day's news. Thousands of terrified people huddled on the shoreline like soldiers at Dunkirk, desperate, desperate, terrified, orange flaming skies behind them, waiting for some ships to save them and their families, like Dunkirk. That, of course, was Australia, and is Australia. It's their fire season. It's a, in its beginning days, it already ranks as the absolute worst fire season in Australia's recorded history. And it's just getting started. So you have one continent entirely, almost in flames, not entirely, in flames. Enough of it has already burned. It's the size of uh, of Switzerland, as if Switzerland had just been carpet bombed, I guess. So I turn the page from Australia's woes and see something about India. And I recall reading... Um, in the summer of India suffering through the hottest temperatures they have ever known. And I'm talking 124 degrees. People dying. The pollution in major cities. Off the charts. And so I was stunned to see this headline saying 
that a brutal cold wave has now brought havoc to parts of India. Coldest temperatures in well over a hundred years and this in a part of the country where people don't even have central heat because it never gets hot enough where you have to have it. People are freezing. People are in hospitals with pneumonia. Pollution levels though, that stayed constant. Pollution levels in the capital that's New Delhi, right? Yeah. More than 20 times the World Health Organization safety cut off. 20 times more. So they're shivering. Their drivers cannot see other cars. And so you have extraordinarily huge pileups on highways. Bangladesh also shivering in the cold. In November, 50 people died from it, 17 children. Heading east, Jakarta, Indonesia. This, these were all these stories. They were not on the same page. It wasn't grouped together like, and here is the climate change report. <clears throat> Separate stories. Australia burning. India freezing. Flooding. This is Indonesia. Jakarta. 35,000 people displaced. Jakarta's most intense period of rainfall since record keeping began. Here's the reality. Florida is going to be swallowed up. I was watching that football game in New Orleans yesterday. I was looking at the aerial photos and thinking, evacuate, you fools. New Orleans ain't going to make it. Much of India, as we know, is slated to be relieved of its suffering through these heat waves and cold spells because it will become uninhabitable. Paul Krugman wrote a piece and he said, Apocalypse will become the new normal. And these apocalyptic views like we're seeing from Australia and, and, and other places will become sort of like a certain person's tweets. This numbing new normal unfolding right in front of us and yet our political leaders doing absolutely nothing, in fact, exacerbating it.
Can you imagine what Australians must think? Their government is still refusing to acknowledge the problem. We ain't the only people who elect nincompoops. And the Republicans here continue to be hostile to anything having to do with science. In fact, scientists now essentially are looked at as being part of the deep state. But make no mistake, as I page through, I believe that was Thursday's uh, New York Times, that will be the new normal between the horrors that this American administration perpetrates and the horrors that we as uh, a global community continue to watch. I say watch because I don't see a lot of action being taken and certainly not by us. Mind-blowing. Really. Jonathan says, welcome back. Audio sounds perfect. Jeez! Ah, ooh, I can't, okay. I, I just need to there'll always be something. And such flashy new headphones. No, no, a Amy brought these in because um, my headphones have been... Uh, as they say, my headphones have gone missing in the move. Uh, Jonathan said, I, I was going to say nice cans, but I, I would blush. Let me. I'm blushing as red as my cans. Ooh. And, he says, if you feel like a non-news subject, what's your prediction on a win-play show for the Big Jeopardy, the greatest of all time tournament? You know what? I even took a vacation from Jeopardy. Jeez, they're having the biggest, oh, so all the big shots? My guess would be if they're bringing back all the champions, what's his name? You know, the gambler guy. I'd put my money on him, but I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and uh, we have a caller. Imagine that. Hello, caller. Well, welcome back. Thank you. You you were missed. Thank you. Um, uh, and so happy New Year. Well, let's hope 2020 is a happier year than 2019. Uh, I'm not too hopeful, but I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too hopeful. That'd be me too. You know the 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 52 sites. That sounds like something that Al Capone would do, too. Right? I keep calling this guy President Capone because he talks like a, a a mob boss. And, you know, and I'm surprised he didn't use the word snitch when he started talking about the, uh, the whistleblower. Or maybe they did. Do you know? No. I, I have to tell you, I've been really tuned out. I can't, oh. I can't bear it to listen. No, I can't. So... Um, one of the things that I've, one of the many things I'm trying to do to 
um, coped through the past two years. Um, uh, we started using CBD oil to help sleep at night. And? And we had a new shop open up. And it's helped a little bit because we had a new shop open up in our little town of Bellevue. And um, and my wife picked some up, said, let's try it. And we got directions to how to use it. And it seems to uh, seem be sleeping a little bit better. And then we ran out. So I went in and I met the woman for the first time. She's uh, a walk in the a walk in the shop. She, she she's saying goodbye to a friend or a customer or whatever. And I walk in and I see the signs, vet approved, vet friendly, whatever. And then we start chatting. And she's um, she's a vet. She's a retired vet. And we started talking about. You know, her, you know, she's telling me a little about her family, her daughters, the problem with young men, and the men and their dads are Trump supporters. And I didn't even talk about politics. She just went there, <laughs> and 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 I said, well, I said, well, the problem now, I guess, is our new religion is capitalism. Otherwise, I wouldn't probably be needing her product. And um, she laughed, and but she said, you're probably right, and we just talked about all sorts of things. Um, I mean, and nothing really political. We talked around things, but I think we got each other. And we were like laughing and we were crying. We're complete strangers. And when I left, we were hugging. It was the funniest thing I ever, it, it was very sweet, but it was also very telling, I think. Well, about yeah, about how what we reached. Yeah. difficulties we're going through. Yeah, we we reach out, even strangers reach out to one another. The CBD stuff, so you bought more of it? Yeah, I, I did buy more of it, and I um, we're upping the dose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say and, it's a slippery and, um, slope, and, I'm telling you. It's probably placebo. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's probably... It's just probably placebo. The, the thing is, there's been no because of the our federal government's refusal to allow any any research, any research on any of this stuff, on the effects of THC, CBD, all these components of uh, marijuana. Uh, we really don't know. We know anecdotally that it helps a lot of people, but. All this stuff, I mean, buyer beware these days. I mean, none of it, none of it has been scientifically verified because the government won't let well, us. Yeah, I mean, you have, yeah, I, here's the funny thing is my chiropractor is all about this too. I mean, he, he, he. Yeah, well, there's money to be made. Careful, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a. Hey, so you got to be. I have some CBD stuff. And if I have, you know, like an ache somewhere, I'll. I'll rub it on. I don't know. Once it helped, another time it didn't. I I have no idea. I have no idea if if uh, if it, you know what the best stuff is. Even if you go and you have medical pot, they don't know which pot you need for this thing, whether it'll work for that person or the other. They don't know. This is all just trial error and shooting around and hoping something finds a target. I really believe that. And then there's a lot of people well, this, making money. At this stage, at the stage, at this stage of the game, I'll throw salt over either shoulder if that's going to help me sleep at night. I, I really don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so stop um, reading the newspaper. That might help, too. 
stop reading the newspaper and thinking about the world. It'll it'll help you sleep. I, by the way, I don't sleep anymore either, so nobody's sleeping. But well, well, the thing is, is that somebody was like like saw what was happening there, and they're probably saying, "Oh, these two, you know, you know hippie, like you know, all this kumbaya stuff." This is a retired war vet, and she struggled through the worst of being a woman from from 30 years ago, being in the military and staying with it. And here she is. She's on our side. She's on our side. She, she, she's seen everything. She, she's one of us. And then... Um, oh, wait a minute. So you're still talking then, about the lady who owns a CBD shop, the, the vet? I thought you meant... You said yeah. she was a retired vet. I thought you met a veterinarian... No. She, she, no, she, she is the owner of the store. She is a war veteran, retired. Uh, I don't. She, I see. And she okay. started the store. Okay, I thought it was a vet. I thought we were going to talk. Uh, about... <laughs> Listen, when people say vet, I always think, you know, I want to think. If you don't say urin, a vet urin, I'm thinking dog doctor. That's what I'm thinking. So I just wanted you to know I was totally. Uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, I, 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 didn't, I, I... <laughs> May peaceful slumbers come your way. That's all I can say. Um, yeah, really. Thank uh, you. All right. Thank you. I, I, I kind of, I, I, I just took the story down the wrong way. Half the year we'll talk. To okay. Bye, bye. Was there? Uh, thank you, thank you, Roger. Was there more of a, a delay there than we're used to? Yeah, a little bit. Just asking. Ah, oh, Milton said this Jeopardy thing is something that I didn't realize. The Jeopardy event that Jonathan was referring to is not the typical Jeopardy show. This is special, broadcast over three nights in prime time. Starting tomorrow at 8 on ABC. Oh, this is how out of it I am. I am so out of it. Okay, thanks for that. I'll tune it in, I guess. Boy, they're pulling out all the stops because uh, I think they're worried about where Jeopardy goes when Alex Trebek goes. Um... Um, she said. Uh, all right. One of the... Oh, I know. I have to say this. I, I knew I was something I wanted to remember. My favorite thing that happened since I was last with you guys was the video of the Pope slapping the crap out of that woman. I loved it. I mean, I exaggerate only slightly. But there's something about, like, starting off the new year, 2020, with a picture of the Pope clearly angry, clearly just... And he even said something to her, like, you know, you know, I thought that was the most wondrous kind of... Everything's moving. Uh almost metaphor for the state of the of the world 
And here on Christmas morning, the Pope beats up a pilgrim. <laughs> I just loved it. And and this is the nice Pope. And I, you know, I don't blame him, frankly. That woman, she just pulled. She could have dislocated. He's an old man. She could have dislocated his friggin' shoulder. Says someone who has dislocated her shoulder on more than one occasion. Jeez, I don't blame him for just. Turns out the Pope's human. I loved it. And I was only disappointed when he apologized later. Damn. He, he wouldn't, didn't cop to being angry. He said, his quote was, Many times we lose our patience. And I'm sorry for yesterday's bad example. Um, he didn't lose his patience. He lost his temper. They're different. Which reminds me, if I'm stuck on hold one more time and somebody says, some disembodied voice says, thank you for your patience. I, I, why won't I just let that go? Instead, I scream. I scream. I'm not patient! Wait, why assume I'm patient? Thank you for your patience. It only rubs salt into the wound. It's like when you're angry and somebody tells you to calm down, you just get angrier. And being told thank you for your patience when they don't have a clue whether or not you're... I hate it. I hate it. Little things. These are little stressors that will end up killing us all. So... What is this? Failure of New Year's resolutions. <laughs> you still make New Year's resolutions? That is a... They never were. I mean, what? They, they say here, failure rate of over 80%. Um, yeah, really. The failure rate... It's no time to... It's bullshit. Can't... What? Never mind. It's not important. Um, one of the more interesting stories I came across while I was doing nothing was uh, a piece in the Atlantic and I don't have it here of course I just have another story suggesting that it was a great piece <laughs> it was and I'll tell you about it so that you can go look it up so it's in the Atlantic and it's uh, written by John Hendrickson and um, it is a I think it has a piece of information in it about Joe Biden that is uh, helpful truly um, a lot of people are unaware that Joe Biden, as a kid, had a, a really severe stutter. And, you know, that is an affliction which can change how you, uh, you know, see yourself, how you navigate through your life. 
that somebody with a severe stutter would end up being somebody who speaks uh, like a politician is is amazing. But the article is about the fact that people who know stuttering, who are experts in stuttering, one specifically is a guy um, like the man who wrote the article, Hendrickson, who himself stutters. Stutterers can see other stutterers working to get the words out without the stutter. And the piece is about the fact that it's quite clear to a stutterer like John Hendrickson that Joe Biden has not overcome his stutter. And that what we see as what looks like, you know, he's just not quite quite there, looks a little addled, uh, a statement that doesn't quite make sense. This guy looks at it and he sees a stutterer working mightily to control his voice. And he says this, a non-stutterer might not notice when Biden appears to get caught on words when he is speaking because he's very good at maneuvering out of those those moments, but they still keep coming as they have since he was a child. But the guy says on other occasions, like in the debate that I think it was held in Detroit where he did not do well. He says Biden's stutter was really, really hard to miss if you understood that's what it was. People who are uh, doctors and experts in stuttering have watched uh, Biden and his speeches and one of them uh, a doctor at NYU says that he believes that Biden's eye movements the blinks the downward glances are all part of the way he has learned to manage his stutter um, and, and, and that expert says this, as, as children, a stutterer figures out, oh, if I move parts of my body not associated with my speech system, sometimes it helps me get through these blocks. So um, a stutter does not get worse as a person ages, but trying to keep it at bay might become harder just because any stutterer will tell you it takes a lot of mental and even physical energy. So while Biden talks 
all day, all night to audiences, big, small. Um, this guy says, in addition to periodically stuttering or blocking on certain sounds, he appears to intentionally not stutter by switching to an alternative word. So if you're, you're starting to, you can tell you're going to have trouble with that word, bango, you find another word which will come out. It's a, a technique that is called, understandably, circum, circumlocution. Locution being the speech, but circum, getting around the word that you intended to say, finding another, circumlocution. But when you, the stutterer resorts to circumlocution, uh, he can often come up with a word that's not quite right or that mangles the syntax. And this expert guy from NYU, who by the way is also a stutterer, says this, I have been following practically everything Biden has said for months now. And sometimes what is quickly characterized as a memory lapse, oh, look, he doesn't even remember, is really him stuttering. The stutterer recognizes it. We see it as, gee, the old guy is not quite keeping up here. So what the article tells us is that what some looks to us often uh, to have s something to do with his mental acuity, it, it might well not be that at all, but simply the guy who's for 60 plus years had to wrestle to do what might come very easily to the rest of us, speaking. And I found that a, a very good and important thing to remember. Just saying. Doesn't change how you feel about his policies, about whether he'd be a good candidate or anything, but it's something important to remember. Um, and Milton has sent me the the Atlantic piece. We'll, we'll we can stick this up on our our Facebook. Um, the um, this article is is uh, headlined "What Joe Biden Can't Bring Himself to Say." But the subheading uh, is, his verbal stumbles have voters worried about his mental fitness. Maybe they'd be more understanding if they knew he's still fighting a stutter. So, it's, you know, it's worth knowing. I happen to be with um, Jean-Marie Laskus, who, the writer, um, and uh, she had spent over a week, I think, with Biden when he was vice president. 
uh, doing a profile on him for, I'm not sure, I think New York Times. And um, she traveled with him extensively. Actually, that's when the, when the Pope was, I want to say inducted, but I don't think that's what they do. When the Pope was made the Pope, after Benedict, this guy, um, Biden went and she went along with him, so she was there at that. But what she remembers mostly is um, going back to Wilmington, Delaware, with him in a car and how he excitedly, he just talks nonstop, and how he excitedly had them, the driver stop the car and he says, come here, you got to see this. This is where, and he's looking in the windows of this house. that he, And she's thinking, my God, if somebody were to see this, the vice president of the United States is like staring into somebody's windows. He said, maybe I'll knock on the door. And she said, no, it's okay. <laughs> so, but that he, it was there that he did uh, talk to her about, I guess, sitting on that stoop and putting stones in his mouth on trying to talk was that that was what is that some ancient thing that you do with stutterers is that I'm, my knowledge of the Greeks is really bad but that it, it, she found I mean she found him so forthright about it um, but as I said it seems to have passed our um, our purview. Uh, little Tony writes, I don't blame the Pope one bit. <clears throat> Me either. She yanked his arm good. And then he says, I was surprised the news didn't interview the lady afterwards. Um, yeah, she was not even identified as far as I could see. She she might have just been so humiliated. <laughs> It's not everybody that gets slapped by a pope. I mean, that is, I, I would take that, you know, that's on her headstone when she dies. Here lies so-and-so slapped by the pope. So, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh... Oh, and is, have I been gone that long? Because I have here this thing. Did this happen? Well, yeah. Uh, this was a quote from the... I've been gone since, because this was on December 23rd. Yeah, I guess we were all re ready on vacation. Anyway, whatever. The things he said about um, windmills. Did you see, I mean, it's, it's like one of those, here, I think I have it here. He's talking about windmills. He said, I never understood wind, but I have studied windmills. I know them better than anybody. See, I mean, right there, right there, that's a crazy person. That's a crazy person, Okay. He's got his fingers on the nuclear code, I'm just saying. He's also the one who said, well, if we have these nuclear weapons, why can't we use them? Anyway, here's some quotes from your president. I know it's very expensive. These are windmills. They're made in China and Germany mostly. Very few made here, almost none, but they're manufactured. 
Tremendous, if you are into this. Tremendous fumes. Gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So tremendous, tremendous amounts of fumes and everything. Shall I repeat that? Shall I repeat that? I think I will, because that is the statement of an incoherent nincompoop lunatic. Okay? Let's go with it. These are the words the president spoke. I know it's very expensive. They're made in China and Germany mostly. Very few made here, almost none. But they are manufactured. Tremendous, if you are into this. Tremendous fumes. Gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So tremendous, tremendous amounts of fumes and everything. Here's a little more, sorry. All of a sudden, the windmill is on again. It stops. The wind stops and the televisions go off. And your wives and husbands say, Darling, I want to watch Donald Trump on television tonight. But the wind stopped blowing and I can't watch. There's no electricity in the house, darling. So this guy who says he knows windmills better than anybody thinks that once... They stop spinning. The electricity goes off. And he also thinks if he holds his hands over his eyes, you can't see him. No wonder we can't sleep at night. All right, that's our inaugural for this year. And I'll see you tomorrow. Unless, of course, you put your hands over your eyes. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.